The beauty of a single eye fixed upon Christ is truly and most literally out of this world. The certainty and comforting clarity, the peace and the eternal purpose, and the pristine cleanliness the single eye provides overwhelms the world and its plethora of lust and bondages. It's true. Luke eleven thirty four through 36. The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when thine eye is single, thy whole body also is full of light. But when thy eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness. If thy whole body, therefore, be full of light, having no part dark, the whole shall be full of light as when the light bright is when the bright shining of a candle doth give thee light. Dear visitor, have you been born again, born a very real second time, this time of the Spirit of God? Jesus revealed to Nicodemus the greatest mystery and the greatest miracle that man can know in John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In just a few moments, I will invite you to follow me in a simple prompt. And if you do, everything changes for you today. And let me emphasize everything. Today, all your sin and shame will be thoroughly washed away by Christ's cleansing blood. Today, all of Satan's bondages in your life will be broken. The bigger, the better. Today, for the first time, your eyes will begin to see. Today you will be given a single eye fully fixed upon Jesus Christ, the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. John chapter 1 verse 9. This Christ is the solution to all your problems. Here is the simple prompt I promised. Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Genesis 1-1, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. God said, Exodus 20, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. God said, 2 Thessalonians 2, 11 and 12. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Man said, there is no certain truth. Truth is what you say it is. Don't you know that? Just ask your professor. Now the record. Welcome to God Said, Man Said, feature article 1,193 that will once again contend for the faith. Each of these faith-building features is archived here for your edification and to be used as a platform from which to win the lost. Every Thursday Eve, God willing, they grow by one. Thank you for visiting. May God's face shine upon you and your house with light and truth. Satan inundates the population at large on a minute-by-minute -minute basis with what the Bible calls the deceivableness of unrighteousness. 
Watch this one very closely. It's one of the key signs of the end of the world. God said, man said, has, and will be addressing this subject frequently as doomsday draw so alarmingly close. Second Thessalonians 2, 6 through 12. And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because that they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. What is the deceivableness of unrighteousness? In etymology, which is the study of language and words, there is a law or rule known as the law of first occurrence. This law declares that when a word is first used, its definition is established. The word righteousness is first used in the Bible, and it was regarding Abraham in Genesis 15, 5, and 6. And he brought him forth abroad, and said, Look now toward heaven, and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Faith in God's word, and the result and action associated with that faith, is called righteousness. Abraham believed God's word to him, and acted accordingly. Note that faith and works move in tandem. James chapter 2, 18 through 20. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead. Righteousness could then be defined as the good works of faith. Conversely, unrighteousness would be defined as the evil works of unbelief. The deceivableness of unrighteousness, or the ability to deceive as a result of unbelief, is enormously powerful. Unbelief is a carnal trait of inheritance. Grandmother Eve led the way in the spirit of unrighteousness. She believed Satan's words over God's and opened the door for the law of sin and death. Since then, it's been like mother, like daughter, like father, like son. The only solution to this deadly dilemma is to be born a second time. Jesus calls it born again. The sign of the end is a global mindset of unrighteousness and its very deeds of unbelief. Because the people of this world have rejected the cross of Christ, they have been turned over to strong delusion and will readily believe the most absurd and hurtful foolishness. It is apparent to the blood-bought 
that the spirit of strong delusion sits dominantly in the highest seats of education, news, entertainment, and government. The spirit of strong delusion is in control of world dialogue. Doomsday is knocking at the door. When you begin from a position with evolution making God irrelevant, you start from the position of the fool, and consequently all your conclusions will be foolish and deadly. That progression of stupidity will be apparent to those who have eyes that have been opened. Consider some of the world's staple foolishness. There was a big bang out of virtually nothing, and the earth, universe, and the amazing life forms are the result, and as one of evolution scientists called it, the ultimate free lunch. All of amazing and marvelous intricate building instructions for life are discovered in DNA. According to evolution, it is a product of impossible time and chance. DNA and its weightless, non-material, meaning spiritual instructions, are just an accident. All life forms have evolved from non-life, even though science has proved such an event impossible. They believe it anyway. Anything to avoid allowing a divine foot in the door. Man evolved from a single accidental cell. Yes, his brain, eyes, ears, nose, heart, liver, kidneys, red and white blood cells, hands, feet, reproductive organs, teeth, hair, toenails, and so much more. It just simply evolved. Man is just another animal. Dread the thought he was made in the image of God. Darwin's disciple, disciples excuse me, have come to the conclusion that man's second cousin was a banana, his first cousin a mushroom, and his father a monkey. Open promoters of Darwin would include Karl Marx, Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin, and the mother of death herself, Margaret Sanger. These forerunners of communism, white supremacy, Jewish genocide, and abortion embrace the tenets of evolution. Where's the cancel culture when you need it? Certain principles are repeated here, for it takes this repetition in order to commit these concepts to memory. Surely the spirit of deceivableness of unrighteousness is aware of the necessity of repetition. One particular principle, known as the doctrine of uniformitarianism, needs to be committed to memory. The foundational principle of evolution is the doctrine of uniformitarianism, which states that the present is the key to the past. According to this teaching, the geology of the earth moves along at a steady, predictable, and uniform rate. Therefore, uniformitarians claim, if we look at the history we know and extrapolate backwards, we can estimate the age of the earth with relative accuracy, right? The believer and the unbeliever reviewing the same facts will come to opposite conclusions. The Bible records two very real geological events that nobody, not even a uniformitarian, would call uniform. These two biblically recorded events can be proven to be accurate beyond any reasonable doubt, even to the finest detail. Uniformitarian problem number one. If a uniformitarian had come across the earth just 15 minutes after the end of the sixth day of creation, that person would look around and assume age. 
as a result of his ignorance and unbelief in Holy Scripture, the uniformitarian most certainly assumes age. That assumption leads to the creation of a mechanism, some concoction of unbelief, necessary to assuage the mind to explain away the assumption of age. Yet throughout all of the mental gymnastics, the uniformitarian is performing, the earth, its life forms, its universe, all remain at most six days and 15 minutes old. If a uniformitarian came across Adam just 15 minutes after he was created, the unbeliever would assume age when, in fact, Adam was only 15 minutes old. Of course, no uniformitarian would call creation uniform. Uniformitarian problem number two. Genesis declares a devastating global flood that destroyed all inhabitants of the dry land that had the breath of life in its nostrils. The only exceptions were those on board Noah's Ark. The destruction extended to the earth's trees and foliage, and it also came with a total remake of the earth's topography. Today, marine fossils are found on all the world's mountain peaks, and nearly all fossils have been buried by a global flood. Of course, no uniformitarian would call an utterly world-destroying global flood uniform. The Bible takes a very clear yes on these two events, very real, very provable events, and nobody would call them uniform. Is the earth and its universe 14 billion years old, or as the Bible declares, just over 6,000 years of age? Vance Nelson researched and published a series of books under the general title of Untold Secrets of Planet Earth. These powerful, hardback, beautifully illustrated books are stand-up testaments to God's young earth. In the book in the series titled Catastrophic Caves, Nelson thoroughly dismantles the long ages of hypothesized time to create uh, stalactites, stalagmites, flowstone, etc. in the world's caves and caverns, whittling it down to decades and even hours. Excerpts from Catastrophic Caves follow. Many of the early founding fathers of geology and paleontology believed that most rocks and the fossils they contain were laid down only a few thousand years ago during Noah's flood. Can this be tested? Yes, it can. Fossils from the bottom of the geologic columns, such as those in the Cambrian deposits, up through Permian deposits, Jurassic deposits, Cretaceous deposits, etc., have been subjected to carbon-14 analysis. Carbon-14 offers a great way to test two competing views on the age of things, old earth versus young earth. If these fossils, and thus the rocks, really were millions of years old, then no original radiocarbon should be detected. However, if these fossils were laid down during Noah's flood just thousands of years ago, there should be detectable radiocarbon. The results demonstrate that the fossils, and thus the rocks they have been found in, are only thousands of years old. Detectable radiocarbon has been found in fossils throughout the geologic column. Based on the radiocarbon dates, the fossils, and thus the layers, were laid down at approximately the same time. That means that both evolution and old earthism are dead.
If you think about the creatures themselves, it means the creatures lived and died at the same time in the same event only thousands of years ago. The founding fathers of geology and paleontology, most of whom believed in Noah's flood, are finally vindicated by science. Furthermore, we now have scientific evidence that none of the layers from which caverns have been carved are hundreds of millions of years old. They are only thousands of years old. How do you get thousands of feet of sediment burying billions of creatures in one event recently? Noah's flood would do it. Therefore, cavern formation has clearly taken place recently. Since cavern formations must form after caverns develop, they must be younger than the caverns themselves. Cavern formations, therefore, cannot be hundreds of thousands of years old. End of quote. Mr. Nelson, besides natural caves and caverns, studied mines around the earth whose ages are clearly known, and thus the age of the formations that have developed, Nelson states. The purpose of exploring mines is twofold. First of all, there is little question how long ago these tunnels and shafts within the earth were opened. Therefore, there will be little question as to their age. Secondly, if any formations are found, it will show precisely how rapidly formations similar to those in caverns, and in some cases exactly the same as those in caverns, can actually form. End of quote. Excellent photographs are on the pages of catastrophic caves and are referred to in the following quotes, but are not available here. Visit untoldsecretsofplanetearth.com for more information and reviews of other books in the series. Near the small city of Pezenok in Slovakia, there is a series of mines. In this location, they mine for gold, iron pyrite, and antimony. The antimony operations began in 1790 A.D. and ceased in 1991. In the tunnels of some of these mines, iron oxide formations develop rapidly. Clearly, sufficient water flow is at play. Some very unique stalagmite formations have resulted in this mine from iron and manganese oxides, manganese, excuse me, oxides. At Ohio Caverns in the United States, we find formations essentially indistinguishable from these. These formations within Ohio Caverns derive their origin from the iron pyrite within the Ohio shale. As the water seeps through the shale and into the cavern, it is often rich in iron oxide and as a result produces formations which may be almost entirely iron oxide in content, limonite and or hematite. Compare the flowstone formations from Penzanook to Ohio Caverns. Those from Ohio Caverns are dry and those from Penzanook are wet. Now compare the stalactites from Penzanook to those at Ohio Caverns. Clearly, vast periods of time are not the leading factor in producing these kinds of formations. Pictured above is the view from the copper mine in La Prodette in France. The inset shows the entrance. It was in 1857 that gentlemen by the names of Layet and Martel requested permission to operate a sandstone quarry at the, at the location. It was subsequently discovered that the materials contained copper and lead. From 1857 until 1970, various owners attempted to make the mine profitable. 
However, they all failed to make the mine a financial success due to various reasons, the main one being the low copper content of the ore. Finally, between 1933 and 1956, the mine was used as a mushroom farm. In 1994, the mine was officially inaugurated as a mine museum. Even though the copper content of the ore is rather low, malachite stalactites have grown from the ceiling of the tunnels, which didn't exist prior to 1857. Malachite stalactites are known to form naturally. You can see malachite stalactites hanging from the ceilings in this copper mine in France, essentially indistinguishable from those that have formed in natural settings. This is indeed striking. Clearly, it doesn't take vast periods of time to form malachite stalactites. It simply takes the correct physical and chemical conditions. A gas well was drilled into the Austin Chalk in Louisiana, USA, in January of 1997. Operations were constructed, and the well began producing in March of 1997. Within three months, problems emerged. A section of the flow line had become severely clogged. Attempts were made to clear this section of pipe using pressurized water and mechanical methods, but they failed. As a result, the pipe uh, had to be removed and discarded. You can see from the image the layers of solid rock have been deposited within the pipe concentrically. In fact, the rock was analyzed by the Petrolite Corporation of St. Louis, Missouri, and it is shown to be about 84% calcium carbonate, the same mineral which makes up cavern formations. Remarkable! You see running through this pipe was not only gas and oil, but also water and minerals from the Austin Chalk Formation, limestone. Calcium carbonate, it simply took lots of flow, not lots of time. Mount Isa mines began in 1923 when a prospector by the name of John Campbell Miles discovered one of the richest zinc lead deposits in the world in Queensland, Australia. By 1955, the mine had become one of the largest in Australia. At Level 5, workings in the zinc lead mine at Mount Isa, some spectacular formations have emerged. They formed in the same way as in natural caverns. About 180 feet above this level, there was an aquifer in dolomite rock. The water within the aquifer was rich in calcium and biocarbonate ions, which picked up from the dolomite, just like the water seeping through the limestone or dolomite in natural cavern systems. As the water seeped down into the workings of level 5, calcium carbonate precipitated as carbon dioxide was released, just as it would in a cavern system forming stalactites and stalagmites. You can estimate the impressive size of the formations based on the two workers in the photograph. The results are incredible, especially to one who has been indoctrinated to believe it takes a thousand years for a stalactite to grow one centimeter. The maximum age of these formations at the time of photography was 55 years. On November 30, 1937, a hole was drilled about 350 feet down into the ground in Soda Springs, Idaho. They were attempting to find a hot water source for a swimming pool. Then they hit water. It was under extreme pressure, which was caused by carbon dioxide mixing with water in a subterranean chamber. When hit, 
The result was a geyser, which is now controlled by a timer guaranteeing its eruption every hour on the hour. The geyser water is high in calcium carbonate and also has some iron obvious from the orange colorization of the mineral deposits. Anything which comes in contact with the water becomes encased in the deposits from the geyser. On the following page, the wrapper from a chocolate bar was encased within the mineral deposits but has been partially broken out of them. In figure 59 and 60, you can see that the walkway is starting to fossilize, technically permineralize. Many people look, not many people see. This is shocking to those who have been indoctrinated to believe fossilization must require vast periods of time to occur. In fact, even many cave pearls can be seen. You can see a piece of styrofoam that obviously blew into the area. Deposits of calcium carbonate began to grow on top of it. In fact, the deposits are about two inches thick. It doesn't take a tremendous amount of time for calcium carbonate to accumulate. End of quote. One more example from catastrophic caves is the petrifying caves located in Savonnaires, France. The author continues. Much of the cave system is quite recent, and the literature provided at the site states that the natural caves on the site were formed recently. They are only a few centuries old. In case you think this a typographical error, or that it is merely a translation error, I have been on site at least four times. Their new guidebook, which has been completely redone, states the same basic thing. These caves are only a few centuries old and formed during the Middle Ages. But how can cavern systems, along with speleothems, form in such a short period of time? Easy. It simply takes the correct conditions. Lots of acidic water, followed by lots of calcium bicarbonate in solution. Here you can see some of the large flowstone deposits that have formed quickly in this fairly recent cavern. The cavern has been, has been used since at least the early 20th century to coat objects in calcite. This is all occurring completely naturally. No thermal water is present. Objects made of glass, clay, and pottery can be coated. However, they must be turned every 15 days or they may stick together. Objects underneath the water get a particularly beautiful coating with large mineral crystals. Artistic plaques are also made at this location. Of interest is the fact that it doesn't take much longer here to produce than at other locations that use thermal water. This proves that the water's slightly warmer temperature is a negligible variable with respect to the dep deposition rate of the calcium. Molds used to produce the plaques are left for two or three years. An extremely large plaque produced this way can be seen in figure 160. The back can be seen here in figure 161. You can see where the water flowed over the mold. Finally, one and an eighth inches of calcite were produced during three years. That means in 1,600 years, about 50 feet of calcite could accumulate at this rate in a completely natural cavern. This is astounding, end of quote. Vance Nelson concludes, Cavern tour guides often incite doubt into the minds of Christians when it comes to a straightforward reading of the Bible. 
However, having spoken with a number of these guides, generally they are simply repeating what they have been told. They often do not have a deep understanding of geology and, in many cases, not even simple logic. Secular geochronologists, as well as Christians, who have been swayed by the old earth paradigm, will often use caverns as a prime example of how one cannot trust a straightforward reading of the book of Genesis, six literal days of creation, followed by the entrance of sin, then the flood on the days of Noah about 1,656 years later. In other words, they claim caverns alone give evidence that the world is clearly more than about 6,000 years old, since many caverns show evidence of having formed hundreds of thousands of years ago. However, as we have shown, neither the formation of the actual caverns nor the speleothems within those caverns need significant time whatsoever to form. The caverns themselves could have easily formed in conjunction with the events associated with the end of Noah's flood finalizing very early in the post-flood world. As shown repeatedly with actual evidence, it doesn't take a lot of time to form calcite and argonite. It takes lots of water, carrying lots of minerals. This is exactly what would have been produced in the early post-flood environment. Not only is the above true, but further evidence from carbon-14 found in fossils from throughout the geologic column has demonstrated that the fossils and the layers in which they have been found cannot be hundreds of millions of years old. This is true since the dating of the fossils and thus the layers in which they were found resulted in carbon dates of only thousands of years. Therefore, the caverns, which have been carved from these layers, cannot be even hundreds of thousands of years old, and neither can the formations with them. within them. This is a devastating blow to the old earth view. The evidence you have seen in this book fits with Scripture. There is no need to compromise the Bible in an attempt to please the ever-shifting beliefs of the world. We have seen the Bible can be trusted and make sense of the rapid development of caverns and the formations within them. The evidence fits exactly what would have been predicted based upon the biblical record. To the Bible believer, that should be no surprise. End of quote. Absurdities are embraced by the world's elite leaders. They are totally blind and have convinced their blind constituents that they can see. Jesus said, Matthew fifteen fourteen, Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. A spirit of strong delusion grips the minds of men, and they readily believe the lie. The end looms close, doomsday approaches. If you have yet to make your peace with God, click on the further with Jesus right now. The deceivableness of unrighteousness is here. Be of good cheer, saints of God. Your childlike faith will not be disappointed. God's beautiful word is true and righteous altogether, a place to build a life that will last forever. God said, Genesis 1-1, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. God said, Exodus 20, verse 11, For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. 
Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. God said, 2 Thessalonians 2, 11 and 12, And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned to believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Man said, There is no certain truth. Truth is what you say it is. Don't you know that? Just ask your professor. Now you have the record.